Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inside Asperger Studios Presents Stories. Today on the show, I'm joined with another ASD life coach, but this one is a little bit different. He comes from the Middle East. So sit back, relax, and grab your favorite beverage, and I'll see you on the other side. See you there. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. Today, I'm joined with Yosef, who's going to be one of the new ASD Life Coaching Coaches. Welcome to the show, Yosef. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, and we'll get going from there. Uh, so yeah, um, I think to start with, so just recently... I completed my Master's of Science degree in Entrepreneurship uh, from the University of Oslo. Uh, and it was through that Master's degree that I began my research in uh, autism spectrum disorder. Um, and I kind of got interested in more and more, you know, with my situation and uh, professionally. and. I thought you know a good stepping stone into this career would be to join here with ASD Life Coaches, where I hope that I can provide uh, both my academic knowledge and my personal life experiences. Okay, and when were you diagnosed with autism? Yeah, so it was uh, actually during my uh, studies. So when I was twenty-six years old, uh, I was in Norway, and believe it was in 2020 it was you know so quite recent um in the you know the last part of my master's degree i was actually having difficulty with the program uh which led me eventually to talking to a doctor uh about uh, you know getting an evaluation um uh, and uh, it was through that that she, she agreed and recommended me to you know, visit a, like a local psychiatric center. And that's where I did my uh, evaluation and they diagnosed me with, uh, well, they still use Asperger's syndrome uh, or autism spectrum disorder level one. Um, so it was kind of like, it's still a, a recent thing to me, uh, but since, the diagnosis, I've spent a long amount of time uh, kind of rethinking the way I view myself and my life and the environment around me and uh, reevaluating my priorities for what I want to achieve. Okay. When you got diagnosed with um, ASD, that kind of changed the way you viewed things? Like, oh my God, this explains why I think like this, why I act like this? Yeah, yeah, no, um, more than anything else, uh, it's been still, uh, even three years later, mm -hmm. I still have moments where I'll remember a you know, seemingly insignificant memory, some small thing that happened that uh, I never had reason to think about before. And now with the diagnosis, I can look back at it with a different perspective and go, you know, have all of these aha moments uh, 
Mm -hmm. uh, well, I, I can see now, uh, I can understand better what's happening. Okay. Now, being diagnosed with um, autism, did, did that make you realize that things were different before than they were now with your with your life? Like you were doing the way you were doing things. Did anything change? Yeah, I think definitely the way of doing things changed. Uh, for a very long time, I myself and you know even people in my close family, uh, even before I was diagnosed, it was obvious. You know, there was something different about me. Uh, but in my case, and I like to you know, I'm very grateful to have a loving and supportive mother who. Very early on, she recognized this, mm -hmm. but she kind of promised herself to love me and support me as I am, even if she doesn't necessarily understand. There's also part of it is you know the kind of the, the cultural and more awareness part, mm -hmm. uh, where in Kuwait, it's you know a lot less people are familiar. You know, so people, I think maybe even now it's getting better, but. Uh, Still, there are people who haven't heard of autism spectrum disorder, who you know, don't know what this is or don't understand it. Um, and generally speaking, that can be, you know, somewhat that can be kind of hard, has difficulties. But despite not understanding, uh, I always had their support. For myself, when I had this uh, diagnosis, what changed was I had a new perspective. Mm -hmm. And I could understand my needs better. I could understand and redefine uh, my previous actions because now I've become more aware. Uh, and generally now I strive to be something I am very big supporter of, is, uh, awareness and self-awareness, because I believe that uh, you know within all of us, no matter our differences, when we're aware of what's going on inside of us and around us, we're able to you know, take decisions that uh, turn out in our best interest. And so this diagnosis was one of the things that led to what I believe is you know, a greater degree of self-awareness and a great degree of introspection, which... Um, I'm grateful to have led me to where I am today. Now, what led you to becoming to wanting to become a coach for ASD life coaching? Yeah, so in my case, um, you know, even before the even before the diagnosis, uh, I though I myself have experienced uh, diff some difficulties with social communication. I've also, especially with that greater degree of introspection I was talking about, uh, had some maybe quite profound experiences with, especially with friends, uh, when it's one-on-one, -on -one, when we're talking together. And quite a few times I received the feedback that I'll be talking to someone. And, you know, just my, my natural curiosity and... Uh, Again, that kind of that self-awareness uh, made them notice that 
you know, I've never had conversations with someone like this before. Uh, and I could tell that uh, I could definitely have the ability to help others with this. And especially after, you know, after my diagnosis and after my academic work uh, about uh, surrounding autism employment, I, you know, made it a goal to uh, dedicate myself, uh, work towards something that can benefit myself and others. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that uh, I have something helpful to provide with coaching. Mm -hmm. And it's also for me, this is uh, just another step in this learning journey. Because even though I'm doing the coaching, uh, I know that me in the beginning will be very different. Oh, sorry, I didn't catch that. No, never mind. Go on, keep going. Yeah. Um, so I both want to help others uh, with all of the, you know, the experiences that I've had, the knowledge that I've gained. And at the same time, I also want to meet people and work with them because I believe that by collaborating, because that's what I see coaching as, I'm mm -hmm. collaborating with uh, clients and developing their lives together and i know that i have things to learn from them too all right so since you've been diagnosed has has your life changed any have you started to realize things more closely and figure oh this is why i do that maybe i need to change or do you just yeah uh, go on or do you just uh, go on with your life and like I'm not going to let anything change me. I'm just going to go on the way I am. And it's kind of definitely has been a lot of changes, except with, you know, on that second part, mm -hmm. some of that is true in that I've resolved uh, to do what it takes to change and to grow as a person. Uh, and, do this out of you know love and greater understanding for myself, um, because I believe you know it's a, it's a kind of my uh, moral obligation toward myself, um, even when it's maybe a bit uncomfortable, especially when it comes to change okay. and learning and adapting to a new situation. It, sometimes it's not easy and even painful, but. Uh, I know that ultimately it's uh, good for me because I don't want to uh, change the foundation of who I am. Uh, kind of the, the, you know, the things that I stand for and the things I believe in are what I want to maintain. Uh, and so then I'll change and grow uh, depending on the things that happen to me in life so that I can continue to keep, uh, you know, what I, you know, or maybe some kind of like ideal or set of ideas that I believe in. Right. Now, does Kuwait, what kind of resources does Kuwait have for the neurodivergent, for those of us who are autistic, or do they not have any, mm -hmm. or is it very little? Uh, there's definitely some resources here. Uh, on part of, you know, in, in Kuwait, we have 
uh, but it's, it, it can be very different for Kuwaiti citizens. Um, generally speaking, there are many social systems from the government that support Kuwaiti citizens. Um, so for those who are neurodivergent, those who are diagnosed, there is like monetary support for their families. Uh, however, in terms of like other kinds of support, most of the most of it in Kuwait is directed towards young children. Mm. Um, there are many uh, private ventures. So there are organizations that uh, you know people in Ku in Kuwait have founded and support themselves. Uh, to support neurodivergent children. Uh, and now more recently, and I mean, this may be within the past year, uh, there, uh, there are, I know there are a couple of uh, organizations who are working to train, prepare and help uh, neurodivergent and, and autistic people in preparing them for the workplace, because this was uh, lacking in the support structure before. Uh, so there are people who are taking it on themselves. Uh, in terms generally of how I would describe it, um, both from an awareness perspective and a support perspective, um, it's definitely improving, but there's still a long road to go. Um, I also hope that uh, myself uh, with you know working with ASD life coaching that I gained this valuable work experience and there may be opportunities for, for me here in Kuwait uh, though that said uh, it's not you know it's not incredibly easy at the same time mm -hmm. uh, because you know, like I said, it is definitely a long way to go. There is a lot of work still to be done, but I am, you know, still hopeful for the future from what I've seen today. All right. Now let's get to know you a little bit more personally. Where did you grow up? Yeah, so I was, uh, yeah, I was born here in Kuwait, uh, and this is where I've lived almost my entire life. I think the longest time I've been away from home was uh, when I was, uh, you know, doing my master's degree uh, in Norway abroad. But yeah, this is, you know, this is where I grew up. This is the, this is my home, uh, and it's um, it's definitely you know, kind of an interesting place because, uh, you know, I say this sometimes, uh, maybe a little jokingly, is that there's. There's no place quite like Kuwait, uh, even among you know other Middle Eastern countries. It's very, it's a very unique place to live in. All right, what motivates you, inspires you, and drives you? I think if there was one thing that uh, motivates me and keeps me going and uh, definitely if I had to say you know the one thing that got me through maybe the, the hardest struggles in my life and continuing to drive me forward to where I am today uh, is you know kind of the, the, the love 
and the feeling I have for myself, uh, you know, really believing in myself, in listening to my heart, uh, I think is the you know kind of the, the most powerful thing that I've you know, ever felt. Uh, especially you know when I, when I think back about those times where I felt like I really did struggle uh, at times when I felt I was really lost in life. Uh, you know, taking the moment to sort of listen to myself uh, and trust myself uh, always turns out well. It's not exactly uh, it's not exactly easy all the time or comfortable all the time, and more often than not. When it is uncomfortable, I know now it's time to listen. Now it's time to really look into where this uncomfortability is coming from. Because almost always it leads to a positive change and at least to growth in myself. And uh, it is what makes me uh, proud of who I am today. All right. What's the best compliment you've ever gotten? I think that kind of, or to sum it up, uh, I think the best compliment I've ever received is wasn't even really, to be honest, not even something spoken, but kind of more of a feeling. Uh, and I've noticed this happened a few times, like I said, when I've you know, spoken with friends and one of my motivations for becoming a coach when I'm not really, I mean, I say talking with someone, but I'm not really doing much of the talking. But when in times when I'm listening to someone and doing my best to see them and accept them as they are, um, uh, even though they might, like, maybe they say different things, or maybe they might not even say something, but when they, when people feel uh, listened to, when they feel welcomed, when they feel appreciated, and they show that uh, to me, I think there's, like, there is no greater compliment. Uh, you know, kind of, there's this, you know, the, the look on people's faces, you know, the, the gratitude, uh, when, when it's really heartfelt, mm -hmm. uh, I don't think there's anything that makes me more happy or more proud. All right. What's the big, what's your biggest failure and what did you learn from that experience? I think that, let me see. I think that where I see as like my moment of my greatest failure, and it also happens to be my moment of greatest uh, learning, uh, because if it wasn't for that failure, if it wasn't for that struggle, I would have never been diagnosed, and I would have continued to suffer, maybe kind of unaware, and I wouldn't have grown to the person that I am today, which is when uh, it was in my final semester of my master's degree. And 
it was at a time that I felt myself really struggling. I saw what happened when none of my coping mechanisms, which I used to rely on, that got me so far, uh, they weren't working anymore. And I felt that at the time I was uh, just so completely overwhelmed by life that I really didn't know what to do. And it was also during this time when I was you know, forced to meet this failure, when I uh, felt you know, almost entirely hopeless, was also the time that you know, I had some trust in myself to say, and I distinctly remember this was a, a conversation that I had at the time uh, with my mother that, you know, I'm at a time in my life where I have no idea what the future holds. And I feel like all of my life, I've been running away from something I don't understand, trying to cope and trying to get along, you know, just sticking to doing things that I should be doing. Uh, as I'm sure you've heard many times, you know, sometimes it's like well-meaning people in our lives or else who say, you know, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. And up until then, that was kind of more or less what I was doing. But I, at this time, when I was struggling to, you know, finish uh, my master program, I felt like it was the right time that I needed to stop uh, running away from what you know, what I want to be, what I want, what I aspire to, and it was because I stopped and decided that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to open up the door. Everything that I was avoiding, I'm going to confront. I believe that this is why I was able to, you know, go to a doctor you know, explain so clearly what I was struggling with. And uh, I know that if it wasn't for me in that moment deciding to stand up for myself uh, against uh, kind of, you know, the, uh, the challenges that life was throwing out at me, uh, I wouldn't have, you know, got my diagnosis or gone through this like incredible personal growth mm -hmm. that I've experienced. Uh, so I'm very grateful for, even though it's maybe my, uh, my moment of greatest struggle. Uh, I don't think I've gotten, there hasn't been a point uh, in life where I've gotten more than that moment of uh, failure. Okay. Tell me about three influential people in your life and how they impacted you. I think the first person would definitely be my mother, uh, who I've mentioned before. Uh, she was one of the first people, maybe the only at that time in my life, who, even from a young age, she understood that I was different. And 
I'm also very grateful to have someone who, because of her, you know, immense love for me, decided that she's going to accept me for who I am, even if she doesn't understand this difference. She doesn't understand why I'm this way, but she chose to, uh, and very bravely, if I might add, to, to really to accept me. And, you know, I've never seen uh, uh, something I always say when I talk about my mother. You know, I've never seen someone work so hard. <laughs> uh, she, uh, and she continues to be my number one supporter. Uh, and she tells me this all the time. She tells me, you know, I don't just believe in you and love you because of, uh, you know, because just because you're my son, uh, but because she believes, she really does believe in me and believes uh, in the, you know, in the good that I can do. Uh, and it is, you know, thanks to that, thanks to her support uh, that I know, I, you know, I continue to push myself to, to keep growing. Uh, I think the second most influential person would be my sister, who I have to give credit to. Uh, so she is uh, actually very recently, she completed her master's in psychology. Um, and three years ago, during the time when I was having this struggle, uh, before I saw my psychiatrist by a couple of months. Uh, I was talking to her and uh, I told her about talking to the doctor, the things that I was having difficulty with. And she said to me, uh, we were learning something new in class. Uh, so we were learning about, as part of learning about neurodivergence as a psychologist. Uh, she was learning about something called uh, Asperger's syndrome and, and autism spectrum disorder. Um, and she said, when I, you know, when, when she was in class and they were learning about the traits of autism spectrum disorder, what it means, what it looks like, uh, she said that uh, she kept thinking of me. And so, in fact, uh, she was the first person in my life, and, and very accurately of her, uh, to say, hey, I think you, you know, I think you might have uh, Asperger's syndrome. I think you might be on the autism spectrum. Uh, while she was still, uh, you know, a psychology student. Uh, yeah, she's, she's, although I hope that We'll get to see her soon. You know, unfortunately, with the pandemic, kind of like another thing that was difficult uh, was every member of our family was in a different place in the world. So I'm in Norway. My mother is somewhere in Kuwait. My sister is in Canada. Uh, so I hope that all of us can be together soon. And if I had to say kind of the third most influential person 
Yeah, I, I think I would. Uh, it would definitely be my father, uh, who unfortunately, in fact, uh, kind of something I say. Uh, you know, I don't think there's really coincidences. Uh, in this moment that I was, uh, you know, struggling at the time and mm -hmm. when I was diagnosed, uh, that was when my father passed away. Uh, and kind of in the, but it happened during the, before I began the diagnosis process. So when I began the diagnosis process and I was uh, doing a lot of reflection because we're answering a lot of questions about my life. Uh, because that's more or less you know, kind of the, the diagnostic evaluation is this long interview process. I know that where we go through different stages. Yeah, I know that well enough. I mean, yeah, I was, I was, un, I was unofficially diagnosed in my twenties. I yeah. came across a clinical research trial for a medicine mm -hmm. for autism. And the first thing mm -hmm. you had to do was be diagnosed. Mm -hmm. A four hour long diagnosis where they took me and my mother, put us in separate buildings and questioned us both separately. So yeah, I know that process well enough. Yeah. And basically, uh, well, I was doing it kind of like, uh, it was a session every week for a couple of months, but the same kind of interviewing and questioning that my mother had to do some uh, questions herself. And because of a lot of this re-evaluation of my past life that was happening as a result of my diagnosis, I also looked at, uh, you know, my relationship with my father. Uh, it was not necessarily the best, but I'm at least grateful that uh, before he passed away, uh, at least we managed to make amends. Um, I know that, and I know this is probably familiar for a lot of people on the autism spectrum, uh, that unfortunately, uh, uh, my father kind of maybe indirectly uh, is responsible also for a lot of lessons uh, that I've learned. Uh, and one of which is what it, you know, what it really feels like when, you know, not to be seen for who you are. Uh, and I think that's kind of the source of the struggle for a lot of people. Uh, when you have people that you're close to in life and but they only ever see their expectation of you uh, for one reason or another. So he was someone who was influential on my life uh, in an entirely different way, but still uh, an incredibly helpful way because it was through these struggles that, and uh, through reflecting on them that I managed to you come out with a lot of good lessons, uh, namely most of which why it's important, and I think why it's important just generally for people on the autism spectrum to have people in your life who appreciate you really for who you are, uh, 
because you deserve to be appreciated mm -hmm. for who you are. I believe everyone is you know, a beautiful person. Uh, and nobody has to uh, settle for trying to mold themselves to the expectations of someone else. Because there are people out there who will accept you. And uh, that's what I hope to kind of to bring uh, in my coaching as well. All right. What makes you feel inspired or like your best self? I think and this is going back to something I probably mentioned earlier. Uh, there's no moment uh, that I really feel as my best self quite like uh, you know, going through something, uh, it can be something difficult or something painful, but at the same time, uh, my experience, uh, especially within these three years, uh, I spent a lot of time learning about myself and a lot of time learning other things that can help. Uh, for example, export of uh, meditative breathing uh, techniques. And uh, I think nothing has ever, you know, no experience has been more profound mm -hmm. than uh, during these meditative breathing experiences when I am uh, confronting and face-to-face -face with my emotions. And... You know, I don't like to put something, you know, some emotions, yes, are painful, but I don't paint them as negative, be it kind of like feelings of being angry or hateful or being sad at the world, or sometimes being just utter, utterly frustrated. Uh, I think nothing makes me feel more inspired than when... I'm confronted by these feelings and I make an active choice to accept them and be aware of them. Even if experiencing these things is painful in the moment, um, I always look back at them with feelings of gratitude to myself for doing that. Mm -hmm. Because it really... You know, kind of this something kind of difficult to describe about uh, the feeling of acceptance that I get when I don't reject or kind of uh, try to compartmentalize these feelings. Because at the end of the day, uh, as negative as they may be, even these painful things I feel, you know, are a part of myself. And what I experience when I feel like my best self is when I accept all of the parts of myself. Mm -hmm. Then I can say that in this moment, this is the time that I can say that I love myself. All right. Finish this sentence. I'm at my best when? I'm at my best when I am aware. All right. If you can turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell him about where you are now in life? 
There is something I've kind of I've wondered myself too. Uh, if I could go back in time, if I could change things, or if I could say things to my previous self, but also at the same time, I'm grateful for everything, happy or or not, that has happened in my life because it leads me to who I am today. So I would, if I could talk to myself, you know, at 18, almost, yeah, 10 years ago, uh, I would tell him that no matter what happened, no matter what you might go through, trust in yourself and love yourself. Because no matter what challenge life can put out there, you you already have everything within you that you need. And you're going to get through it. And it, at the end of the day, even if I don't really know how, it is going to be fine. Well said, well said. If you can have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? If I could have a billboard with anything on it, um, this is one of those like big signs. Yeah. I would just you know, tell people, or like I would, you know, I would say in big, big letters, remember to be kind. Okay. What do you think the world will look like in five years? I think we're at an interesting time. Mm -hmm. I think especially, and one of the reasons why I decided I want to go into coaching um, and ultimately kind of in the search of purpose, uh, because everything, I believe that everything I do for myself is also something that I'm doing towards the world. You know, I'm not just uh, passively existing in this world. I'm an active part of it too. And so what I'm hopeful for in this near future is that you know, there may be struggle today. There may be you know, suffering and pain, but that more and more people will begin to look toward themselves and realize you know, the importance of uh, not just self-awareness, but kind of, again, uh, to be kind to themselves. And what I hope is that much like how rapidly our technology is developing, I hope that in the near future and beyond, that people continue to to grow and to develop themselves uh, and to make the world a kinder place. Okay. What was your favorite subject in school? I think if I had to, it would definitely be uh, science. Which is this, or more the sciences in general, and 
because I really loved you know, biology, chemistry, and physics. Uh, it was a real source of joy growing up. Uh, and in fact, you know, in school, I happened to do very well. Uh, one of the things that where I felt that there's something different about me uh, was in school and the way my teachers looked at me. Uh, you know, they were always like very kind and very happy to see someone uh, enjoy themselves in this way. Okay. Are you considered an introvert or an extrovert? If I would say, I would actually uh, kind of, I'll do a little cheating here uh, by going around the question <laughs> because I'm someone who believes that, um, you know, these specifically like labels like introvert and extrovert are not doing us so much good. Uh, as they could be, I think not as in that they're bad, but as in these could be better. I'm all, I'm, you know, I don't like to condemn things. I like to like look for improvement. And in this case, I think that from my experience, from the people I've seen, from the people I've talked to, especially when people feel comfortable, they open up to me. Mm -hmm. Those, so I have a, a friend. Uh, who's from the U.S., while, who I met while I was studying in Norway, who in public events would very much, you know, fit within the stereotype of the extrovert, appears very social and so on. But as I got to know him better and I, as I got to see him more, uh, I saw that there was a lot more uh, going on beyond just that. Uh, he even himself, he said, uh, you know, people think I'm an extrovert, but uh, in fact, it's not, even though I'm good at it, it's not really, uh, not really something I like, find, you know, can get exhausted. And so I believe that uh, people are more complicated than is being introverted or extroverted. Maybe you're, maybe you're extroverted in this moment, and maybe in the next moment, you feel it would be better to spend time with yourself. And so, and not necessarily one or the other. Mm -hmm. uh, like I myself, you know, I've observed that I've had struggles, maybe with social communication, or I felt like uh, it might be hard to fit in. But at the same time, I always and still now have this desire to meet new people with genuine curiosity. Uh, you know, I want to expand my horizons. I want to connect with others. Uh, but maybe, and maybe more so in the past, uh, I would avoid this, not because this isn't what I wanted, Mm -hmm. but because of the difficulties it presented. Uh, so maybe a little bit of both, maybe neither. 
go either an ambient vert or in, or neither. Yeah. Okay. If you can be remembered for one thing, what would it be and why? If I could be remembered for one thing, I think it's the same thing as that billboard, is I would love it if people remembered, because uh, I've thought about this, what would people think of me when I'm gone? And I think I would love it if, uh, if people remember the times they felt seen and the times they felt appreciated. Because my hope is that when people experience that, when people remember that, they will do that to others. And I hope that if people remember me for one thing, I hope that I'm remembered uh, for being kind. Okay. Tell me about where you are now in life. So right now it's a very interesting spot. I've just started with ASD Life Coaches. Uh, and hopefully I'm going to be talking to my first client very soon. Uh, I've come out of, I've actually completed my master's degree. Uh, and even though during the process of it, I was very worried, but again, continued to trust myself. And uh, now I feel very proud to say uh, what I've accomplished. And I feel like I'm at a time when I may be leaving some things behind. Uh, because there's a lot of opportunities about to open up. And it's also a little bit overwhelming. It's a little bit scary, but that's okay. Because it's like there's so many different roads ahead and so many different directions I could go in. Uh, but that makes it exciting too. All right. Now we get into the show that's a little bit more fun. And I also want to mm -hmm. remind everybody to please share this episode and like it. And let's get on. What is your favorite word? This is uh, much harder than I thought. Just picking one. Uh... then probably I'll pick the first one that'll try to come to mind. Okay. Examine. All right. What is your least favorite word? Probably, I don't know if um is a word. <laughs> We'll go with that. I don't like when I get stuck saying that over and over. All right. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally?
I think that would be whenever I'm kind of by myself. And also at times when I'm feeling at least a little bit scared. Because kind of when you're scared, your mind gets thinking. Mm-hmm. But only a little bit. Not so much that it's overwhelming, but just enough that it's maybe even a little bit exciting. All right. What turns you off? Uh, probably then the opposite of that. When, when it's a time when I feel like I'm very heavily preoccupied, especially when it's like a lot of responsibilities, I feel like my mind gets stuck looping the same thoughts of like, I need to do this and I need to take care of that and so on and so on. That it's like, there's no room for any creativity or freedom. Okay. What is your favorite curse word? I'll have to, uh, maybe this is the first, but uh, for me, it would definitely have to be something in Arabic because they're far more interesting. <laughs> uh, uh, one good example that comes to mind, uh, it's like something like, it's always, Yil'an Abu Aslafak. Which is it's like curse upon your entire ancestors. <laughs> it's like you're really pissed off at somebody. It's like not just you, your entire bloodline. Okay, that's a good one. All right. What sound or noise do you love? I think, and it's barely even a, a sound it's uh, and I remember this in Norway if I go to visit the lake at a particularly very early time in fact I remember it was during my third semester I'd, I was staying up late uh, working on the final submission uh, for that semester it was the last project that I had to submit and I was just like, okay, I'm just going to crunch it out and get everything done, and then I'll be good. And I submitted everything, and it was so late. It was like uh, uh, the, the, the sun had come up. And I decided, uh, you know what? I feel like I'm so relieved. I'm going to go out. And uh, where I was living... I could take uh, the subway and uh, you could actually, the, the last stop goes to a lake. It's called the Sonsvan. And it was during the winter. There's barely anywhere there. The lake is frozen over. Uh, even though there's barely any sound, just the very subtle sound of the wind going through all those like dead branches. And because of all the snow was so muffled, uh, I think that that one's my favorite. All right. What's your what sound or noise do you hate? 
Well, I think it definitely have to be the sound of crying babies. Yeah, aside from being very loud, uh, it's always it's always been a sound that like makes me very uncomfortable uh, because you know when I hear babies crying, I feel like aside from the noise, it also makes me feel like there's something wrong. There's probably something wrong, like, I don't know, maybe he's hungry or uh, needs a diaper change or something else. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that's not a, not a, but I don't think anyone would find it a pleasant sound either. All right. What is your favorite color? I think it would be some kind of like somewhere between purple and violet. All right. A color that feels deep. What is your least favorite color? I think it would be some kind of very bright, not quite yellow, but something similar to that. Something like obnoxiously bright okay all right what profession would you not like to do i think definitely uh retail uh, in or more specifically uh working as a chef in a restaurant all right aside from being a high stress environment uh it's also a very time dependent environment and so it has it's the perfect recipe of everything that i would be bad at all right what profession other than your own would you like to attempt um it would definitely be I mean, much like in my childhood uh continue be in something cutting edge in science uh as a little childhood in my mind I was always fascinated by space uh so maybe i'd like to be an astronomer all right if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates I think I'd like to hear him say something like, you know, you did well. It's like, despite all the doubt and whatnot, that everything that I've done so far, was, I did well. All right. When you arrive at heaven, who would you like to meet? I'd like to meet the person responsible for kind of how I turned out and just like ask him, what were you thinking? I'm like very curious <laughs> how you came up with this. All right. What books do you recommend my audience read? Uh, 
Well, I'll recommend a book, but generally this author I've you know, really fallen in love with. Um, so I recommend reading the, the Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson, who, you know, I found out about only a couple of years ago, but since then, like, I could not stop reading uh, his fantasy series in the Cosmere. And finally, where can people find out more about you on the web? Yeah, so you can find me at, uh, find a little bit more information about me at asdlifecoaches.com. I'm also on LinkedIn under the same name, Yusuf Mgawa. Uh, and you can reach me through there or by my email, which will be on the website. And that's it, everyone. Now it's Yosef McGower, and I'll see you in the next one, everyone. See you there. You and I were hiding in our rooms while the sky burned, getting high off of the fumes, feeling like the bombs outside with flowers. Through the glass as the moon came Body, soul, and hands feeling truly like our lives are movies I swear it's all a dream, no need to be afraid Someday we'll fall asleep and won't recall things Some believe there's no escape, like paint's poster But I just don't agree, I love the way we see the world